Bags, I'm back from a week away. Uh, I feel refreshed. I'm ready to go. And and when I when I was out of town, you were doing some serious work around the house, man. Mm-hmm. Building a patio, fire pit area, still doing it. Um, you look good. You look no different. I mean, do you get any color at all? How does it work with you? I don't understand. Are you uh, fair skinned? You you should you should change color so easily, and you don't. No, am I not more red than normal? Maybe a little red. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. That's yeah. the only coloring I get is is to try to the skin to match the hair in some way possible. A little more red. That's it. Gotcha. That's yeah. it. Uh, hey, man, we are into the conference finals in the NBA. Uh, we are into week three of the NFL now. We're a week away from Major League Baseball's playoffs starting. Uh, this is a time in sports like never before. Right. And and our guest today is is in a bubble. Yeah. No, this is great stuff. Um, I mean, we're, you know, Stanley Cup finals, conference yeah. championship. This is... It feels a little weird because it almost feels like we're transplanted, like we should be in June, but then we have all this other stuff happening too, like football and baseball playoffs coming up, like you said, so it's an awesome time. All right. Our guest today is the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio. It's Mark Kestisher, live from the bubble in Orlando. Mark, it's it's so good to see you, man. First of all, how are you? Uh, Chris, John, good to be with you guys. Uh, I'm doing well here in the bubble. They're they're treating us great, great accommodations, uh, but it's all basketball all the time, which is right up my alley. Unfortunately, I think my yard is probably overgrown by now. There's probably leaves all over the place, uh, but it feels like I'm transplanted to June because it's like 95 degrees here every day with high humidity. So uh, I can't complain. And this is the best time of year. You know, if we could get a uh, you know, Denver one defensive possession away from a 1-1 series, you know, maybe, you know, we're looking at two lengthy ones. We still may be, but uh, we're down to a final four and uh, having a good time here. Well, you can't see it. You said it's 95. I've got the fireplace on I thought. <laughs> behind me here because in the Northeast, we are, uh, we're quickly approaching, we're into fall. We're quickly approaching winter. You know how that goes. Mark, this is day number what in the bubble for you? I have to be honest with you guys. Uh, there are people who have been here since the beginning of July. Um, we are in a, uh, I call it the less intense bubble. We're not in the player's bubble where yeah. they're being tested every seven days. They're at certain uh, resorts here at Disney. Uh, we're in the, I call it the play-by-play analyst uh, technical ops bubble where we get tested twice a week. And we have some access to come and go with um, coming back into the bubble being less intense. Players have to go four, sometimes seven days. For us, it's a a 24 to 48 hour quarantine. So I've been home three times. Uh, I was here for 10 days at a time. I would tag out with my other play-by-play partner, Sean Kelly. And then I came back about almost two weeks ago here for the last day, which is five weeks. So this will be my longest stay here but i've only been here about 14 of those 35 days so far wow all right so let's get into it here mark if i told you that i think the the monsters from space jam have a better chance of beating lebron james than any of the three teams left that he'll, he'll have to face in this playoffs um what would you say to that is it a foregone conclusion now if they stay healthy you know i hate to to say it and admit it but the way they have played uh, outside of, you know, game one against Portland, game one against Houston, uh, you know, they've, they've been world beaters. I mean, I give Denver a ton of credit in game two. You know, they got a little more physical with them. Uh, but there's just, you know, between LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you know, there's there's so much talent out there. And the guys who are the others, you know, they, they did not have Avery Bradley, which I thought and still think could be you know, a, a guy who's, you know, missing from, uh, you know, their opportunity to win a championship here because he opted out. Uh, but Contavious Caldwell-Pope, a guy that, you know, casual fans may not be as familiar with, has stepped up on both ends of the floor. Uh, Rajan Rondo, who's won a championship before and still has some gas, you know, left in the tank. You know, so they have other pieces. Uh, they don't get rattled. Frank Vogel, you know, was not on the radar when they were looking at, you know, who was going to be the head coach, you know, for this team. Uh, to lead LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And, you know, he's rock steady. He's been to conference finals before. So the way they're playing now, it's hard to imagine that it's not a foregone conclusion. But it is the bubble. Strange things happen in the bubble. 
Um, and Miami and Boston may have a say, you know, if assuming uh, Los Angeles gets through the West. I remember um, Jordan being ticked off, Mark, in the 90s when Barkley won the MVP in 93 and when Malone won it in 98. And now maybe LeBron has just kind of – he's known all along probably that Giannis was going to win it. What sent him apparently over the top was the, the 16 first-place votes he got, the only 16 first-place votes he got. Uh, how scary is that, that maybe you've got the best player on the planet who now has a huge chip on his shoulder? Yeah, I think to me that was all motivation for him. I think you're right. He knew – uh, Giannis had a, a fabulous season on the best team in the league. Uh, there's no doubt that LeBron was gaining on him late in the season. Um, if we had not had the hiatus in mid-March when we did and Giannis went down uh, with an injury, we don't know how long he would have missed. It's possible the Bucks might have sat him out for those last couple of weeks heading into the postseason. Maybe LeBron catches him. Maybe he sways a few more voters. Uh, but you're right. Overall, he's he's looking for any motivation he can get. I do agree when you look back to the Jordan years uh, that there's some MVP fatigue and has been, you know, for LeBron. Uh, but for the numbers, you know, that you see there that he put up, those are his postseason numbers and his regular season numbers at over 10 assists per game, leading the league this year at age 35. Um, you know, I keep waiting for him to go over the cliff. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. But yes, um, you, you could tell they can all smell it, but he can really smell at the end of his career an opportunity to pick up championship number four. So let's say he does go over a little bit. Um, and Anthony Davis then emerges as the number one on this team. Do you see that being a potential for long-term success where maybe they switch roles and now AD is the number one and LeBron is that number two, and they could still maybe win more championships with the roles reversed? I do. I agree. I mean, I think he has, what, two years left on his deal after this year. Um, so those might be the two years. I don't know if those are the, the cliff diving two years. You know, he may still, you know, be 25, 7, and 10, you know, for these next couple of years. So they may just be coming in, you know, to a, I don't want to call it a golden era, but certainly an opportunity to take advantage of these next couple of years. Beyond that, you know, that's where it's interesting. Once he gets to 37, 38 years of age, uh, you know, can he keep up? Um, you know, keep his body in, in such great shape to be able to deal with the rigors of what we assume will be back to an 82-game basketball season. That's the great unknown. You know, does he want to finish his career in Los Angeles? Um, there was always the great theory that, you know, like around age 39, 40, maybe he'd end up where it all began in Cleveland. And who knows, you know, where his son will be at that point in his career, you know, uh, hoping, you know, for a, a professional career. But I think you're right. It's it's sliding. In fact, LeBron, I think, has let it slide um, in the beginning of the year when he said this team is going to play through Anthony Davis. And why not? He's in his prime. Uh, he can do it. He can do everything, as we saw now that, you know, game winning three pointer. He's had that in his bag for a while. So I think we're this year we're actually seeing the beginning of that that turn. Maybe it'll be more dramatic in the next year or two. And I continue to say this is I keep saying it's his last best chance LeBron to win a championship. And I say that just because of all the rest he had last year, not going to the playoffs, um, rehabbing an injury. And then even if we didn't have a hiatus this year, I still think this was the most he had in his legs for a long run. And look at the minutes per game that he's playing in this postseason with all of their big leads in the fourth quarter. He used to go 40 plus right when he was in Cleveland. And I don't remember the Miami years, but I remember specifically those Cleveland years tour two. He was always that mm -hmm. tank was on empty when we got to the NBA Finals and he was trying to push through it. He really doesn't have to this year. This is very comfortable uh, minutes for him over a long stretch. I don't know if you're, a, if you're a player efficiency rating guy, Mark, but there you see it on the screen. Davis is 31-07, second only to Donovan Mitchell. And Davis has played almost twice as many games at this point as Mitchell. So he's the only guy left in the playoffs with, with a PER over 30 uh, that to me jumped out off the screen as I was preparing for, for this segment today. Game three of the Western Conference Finals is tonight. Mark will have a call, NBA, uh, on ESPN Radio as, as the Nuggets try to get back into this thing. One note, no NBA team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. So, guys, for all intents and purposes, right, Mark, this is a win or go home for Denver. I keep saying uh, weird things happen in the bubble. 
And I felt when uh, the Clippers, I forget who it was, who had a 3-0 series lead. Um, I can't remember the series now off the top of my head because everything's so jumbled. But I remember thinking, this is the place where someone may come back from down 0-3. It's hard to imagine against the Lakers. Um, with the, It's a razor-thin margin for the Denver Nuggets, as we saw the other night. Uh, they didn't. They didn't play a 48-minute game, but they came awful close. Right. Um, you know, they were able to come back and take the lead with two seconds to go. Uh, so, yes, to, for all intents and purposes, it's a virtual must-win for Denver tonight if they have any real hopes of taking LA deep into this series. Yeah, and that, well, and that being said, you know, if, if Denver, I think, has taught us anything in this postseason, it's to not count them out. Um, they have bounced back. They, they maybe wait to the last minute, but they have bounced back when they needed to. So what do you think for prediction tonight? Do they make that comeback and give us any kind of series here, or do the Lakers feed off what happened last game and basically put it away? I'm terrible at predictions. Everyone runs the other way when I give one, but I do feel Denver's going to get one tonight. Why? I don't know. Uh, I do think I'm waiting on that big Jamal Murray game, and that was kind of the key to those comebacks against Utah and more specifically against the Clippers was, you know, Jamal Murray taking over. Now, you know, L.A. may have a little better, uh, I, I hate to even say better defense against Murray because I thought the Clippers were the best defensive team. I think they were on paper. We never saw it for real. So it was very impressive, uh, you know, what um, Denver was able to do against the Clippers down three games to one. But I'm waiting on that giant Murray game. I think maybe Jokic, I don't want to say he found something, but he got a little more physical with the Lakers in the fourth quarter. I think he scored their last 12 points in that ball game. Maybe that's something he can build on. They got to get a third guy, you know, who's going to come up with a big game as well. They've got plenty of candidates on that team. So maybe tonight is the night, uh, you know, that Denver gets back in the series just with all, uh, I don't want to say the doom and gloom, but knowing down three games to none, they would have an awful long road. Um, I didn't think they had any chance down 3-1 against the Clippers. The Utah series, you know, was impressive. We see that every once in a while. To ask them to have that kind of mammoth comeback again against this team would be very difficult to imagine. Tonight is one of those great social experiments to lose the way Denver did the last time out and have to come back 48 hours later. Uh, I'm always so intrigued as to how a team responds, and I think Denver's a little different. You, you just pointed it out, Mark two comebacks from down 3-1. All right, Bags, let's go over to the East here, uh, and they'll wait. They, they get a few days off the Eastern Conference between Miami and Boston as the West catches up a little bit. Game four is Wednesday, 8-30, and there you see it. Miami has a two games to one lead uh, over the Celtics. Mark, what, what have you noticed about this Miami team that maybe people weren't taking into consideration before the playoffs even started? I think, you know, for uh, casual fans throughout the year, you're wondering how is how are the Miami Heat playing as well as they are? I mean, they were always hovering between that three and four spot. You know, they ended up being in the fifth spot in the Eastern Conference. And I don't think many thought Bam Adebayo was going to be mm. as good of a pro as he is turning out to be right now. Goran Dragic never gets, you know, the credit perhaps he deserves as a veteran point guard and a guy who's you know got a ton of skill. And then you've got all these young guys, these young shooters. Tyler Hero, I remember being a little bit surprised on draft night, you know, when he ended up going uh, in the lottery, even though we were told he was going to be a lottery pick. I was just trying to envision how it works. And so I think all credit goes to the Miami Heat uh, with Eric Spolstra and their coaching staff. They have a great system. Guys buy in. Uh, they, they really play as a complete team. And we saw that in the first couple of games uh, with their ability, or maybe it's the, the the lack of ability to see a wall and say they can't jump over it because they were able to, you know, topple Boston twice with big leads, throwing all kinds of different looks at the Celtics. I don't know if they caught them off guard. Credit to Miami. Boston makes a nice comeback in game three uh, from the problems they had in the first two games. Uh, to even, or at least to get it to 2-1 in this series. But I've just been so impressed by Miami as a team on both sides of the ball, maybe more specifically on defense, um, how well they've played for a mostly younger uh, group of guys. You mentioned Spolstra. To me, this is these are two of the better coach teams in all of the NBA. You got Brad Stevens on the other side. Uh, in the playoffs, what is it all about? Usually adjustments, right? And a big part of that comes down to the coaching. 
We saw Boston make an adjustment in game three to get this thing two to one. What did they do that was different in that game versus the first two that made this a series? I think the first thing I think of, they attacked. I mean, they, uh, what was it, 60 points in the paint? It feels like it was a year ago because we've had three days off. We've been doing games every night. So I'm like, when was that series? That was, yeah, that was a few days ago. I do remember um, distinctly um, not necessarily just attacking the zone, which gave them problems, and they were way more successful against Miami zone looks. But it was, you know, guys – taking Miami into the paint, whether it was finding the mismatch against Duncan Robinson and getting deep, uh, whether it was, you know, backdoor cutting and getting behind the defense. Um, to me, it just it felt like they had finally decided we're going to attack this team, regardless of what defense they're in. And I think Gordon Hayward coming back was a, a much bigger addition than maybe even we realized he could be as, you know, a zone-busting guard who at 6'7", you know, brings size and smarts and ability. Uh, and with all that said, it still got a little dicey there in the fourth quarter. A big lead all of a sudden turned to five. I think it was Jalen Brown who had a flagrant foul with about a minute to go, and you're starting to wonder, you know, here comes Miami again. Is Boston going to completely fracture? But um, they had, uh, I think it was at least three guys, if not four guys, with over 20 points. Kemba had some big right. points as well. Um, you know, Tatum's one of those guys where he is supremely talented and I didn't think he had, you know, an A plus game and yet he still had like a 25, 10 and five game. So I did, that was just their best effort all around. Still a little shaky at the end, but maybe just belying how, um, how even this matchup is. Mark, you know, you can't come onto a show in the 518 and at least take a little bit of a trip back in time. Randy wants to know, what's your favorite Albany Patroons memory or game? Oh, let's see. Well, I love doing games in the armory. I was going to try to come up with like a buzzer beater. You know what my, well, I have a bunch of favorite memories, but the one that just came to mind was a West Coast trip my first year. We were in Yakima, Washington, right? Were we in Yakima? Yeah, it was Yakima. I remember we went through a bunch of small towns in Oregon and Washington. And um, I always have a tradition as a broadcaster. I don't know if you guys do the same um, in whatever line of work you are. You know you're going to be on the air for a little while. You better go use the restroom at some point. Right? Before the game, whether it's at halftime. So if I don't use it before the game, I make sure to go at halftime. I did neither. And the Patroons-Yakima game went four overtimes. Oh, boy. And I'm pretty sure at the end of regulation, I was about to explode. By the end of the second overtime, I was starting to like look at bottles on the table and thinking this might be my only option. If there had been a fifth overtime, Lord knows what would have happened. But I do remember that. I think I might have, I don't know if I said a swear word, but I said, uh, I might've been like uh, ticked off, PO'd, used the actual version. And yep. um, I believe Pete Doherty from the Times Union wrote it up. No, Mark, you can't say that because I wondered it aloud. And I <laughs> he was up at two in the morning listening to a CBA broadcast from Yakima, Washington. Sure. That's good stuff. And yeah, if you're just going to talk constantly, you can't go without liquids. So you've got to find, you have to find more room one I way or another. I thought I could do anything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So just switch back here real quick to this Eastern Conference series. What adjustment then do you think Miami? has to turn around and make if they want to go up three to one? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, they they didn't play zone as much as I thought they would. I don't know if they're going to increase that a little more. I don't know, um, you know, if they're going to try to figure out a way to not end up with uh, switches with Duncan Robinson. I don't want to pick on Duncan, but he was the guy that um, – Boston was picking on. So I think, you know, if I'm thinking of any adjustment and Eric Spolster is a hundred million times smarter than I am with basketball adjustments, he's going to find a way to combat Boston's ability to get, you know, so many opportunities in the paint. I think, you know, that to me seems like the obvious angle where they have to be better than they were in game three. Um, I'm not sure how they accomplish that goal, but that'd be probably the first thing I'm going to look for. And, um, you know, three-point shooting is also, you know, going to probably decide this series. I think we said that at the forefront of it. Boston has been a great three-point defensive shooting team. Um, they've done a pretty decent job on Miami. Miami's got great three-point shooters. I give a ton of credit to the Celtics. They have stuck 
with the heroes and the Robinsons, even with the success they've had, those guys are tough to follow around. It reminds me of like, you know, a Rip Hamilton, just mm. constantly motion, Reggie Miller, that type of guy. So, you know, maybe um, uh, Miami is going to, you know, look to uh, take advantage of their three-point shooting, come up with some other ways to get some more open shots. Well, Mark, I know you've got to, you've got to run. You've got a, obviously a, a game tonight. Everybody in the 518, do like I do, download the ESPN radio app. It uh, It's how you'll find Mark calling these Eastern Conference Finals games when the Yankees get in the way, which, uh, you know, I'm not a Yankees fan. Sean isn't either, so we can say they get in the way a little too much here. I'm the only and, Yankees fan on this panel. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Well, all I know is uh, I've been waiting for this stretch to come. Uh, I think if, uh, if the West doesn't end in four, I'm looking at maybe doing nine, ten games in a row, which will be a test for the vocal cords. Uh, Brian Anderson, who's doing the West, you know, always makes fun of me because he's the, the Brewers announcer, and he's like, yeah. "We do four hours of radio every day. Who are you complaining? It's two and a half hours. It's only for a week or two. So I've got a bunch of uh, tea bags, lots of honey over on the counter. So we'll survive it somehow." Hey, one last thing, Mark. Just because you and I messaged about this, and then we will let you run. How how is it working with? PJ Carlesimo and, and Doris Burke on these games. It's been great. It's the first time I've ever done a three-person radio broadcast. And uh, to have someone of Doris's caliber join us has been great, mostly because I get out of the way. <laughs> Those two are really good together at bouncing stuff in-game live, you know, right at real time, just talking strategy, breaking down what's happening in front of them. And then I just try to sneak in some play-by-play here and there. So I think it's been really good. It's it's uh, it's testing us as we've uh, gone from a really good debut from what my bosses had said to getting a little wordier as we get along. So we're going to try to tighten it up tonight, make sure we're painting the picture as often as possible. But it's it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've worked with Doris a few times on television. So to have her on the radio side and have PJ as well, um, this has been great. Looking forward to the run the rest of the way. A Capital Region guy. You find him on ESPN Radio now. He's the voice of the NBA. Mark, uh, we so appreciate the time, knowing how how busy you are, even in a bubble. Uh, have, have a great call tonight. Uh, have a great rest of the postseason. I appreciate it, Chris. Sean, thank you very much, guys. Continue Thanks, success. With us here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Really, really cool. To, you know, Shawnee, when you and I talked with Tim Reynolds, he had just gotten out of the bubble for the Associated yep. Press. He's now back in, of course, yep. um, covering these games. But uh, but Mark is, is on the call of, of these conference finals games and, and really cool to catch up with him this morning. Yeah, and, you know, look, obviously there are worse places to be. But at the same time, these these guys, it isn't just the players. You know, you have to remember there is a, a vast number of people who are there who aren't playing these games, who are away from their families and, and making some measure of sacrifice here. Um, so it's cool that they obviously give us the access from the bubble and, and we're still able to talk to them. Uh, what have we noticed now a couple weeks into the NFL season? Um, there are fines to talk about for guys not wearing masks, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I'll tell you why. And the injuries now across the NFL, it's an epidemic after week two. What are the most hard-hit teams right now in the NFL? Can they still sustain in 2020? We're back in less than a minute right here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Depressed. Overworked. Job sucks underappreciated when life sucks just say Dillagaff our clothing line puts the F.U. back into fun nothing will give you greater satisfaction Dillagaff isn't just an attitude it's a lifestyle some people ride the crazy train we drive that mother check out our selection at DillagaffUSA.com Bags, injuries like crazy yeah. in week two, and most specifically at MetLife Stadium, the headliner is Saquon Barkley, Giants running back, done for the year, torn ACL. Uh, go back a year ago, he led the entire NFL in yards from scrimmage. His first two seasons in the league, 
he had more than a thousand rushing yards each year. It's a devastating blow for a team that otherwise wasn't expected to go too many places this year. Nope. And you know how I feel about Saquon. I, I continually call him a generational talent and there's just so much potential. And now all of that comes into question because you never know how people bounce back even from an injury like this. Right. I still think he'll be fine and have a great career. Um, but yeah, this one, this one really, really hurts the Giants and it hurts football because, you know, he's a, he's a big young star who is one of those guys who can just light it up and, and, and create a highlight that you just see over and over and over throughout the course of a season. I mean, he's that kind of guy, has the, the ability, especially playing in New York, to be a face of the league. Um, and when something like this happens, it's just terrible. But, the, you know, this, this – a lot of Giants fans will say, well, look – this is why we said don't take the running back, even though we like this guy, right? I mean, because we know the running backs have a shelf life that is a lot different from a lot of other positions, even important skill positions. And this is the risk you take, I suppose. I still think it was a risk worth taking, and I think the Giants were right in making the pick. But when something like this happens, it, it kind of gives fuel to the fire for the other side. Yeah, and, and not even going there. I'm going to go back to your point that this is bad for football because even a bad Giants team had intrigue when Saquon Barkley's on the field. Every time he touches the ball is the potential for a 70-yard run um, or an 80-yard catch on a screen. Not having him there now, how much interest is there in just seeing Daniel Jones' development? And really, how accurately can you judge – Daniel Jones without a guy like Saquon Park. Everybody post-Sunday was like, well, they played better when Barkley wasn't on the field in that second half. I, I don't want to hear it. No. Teams don't become better teams when you subtract good players. It just doesn't happen. You find a different level of chemistry, maybe. But the Giants are better when Saquon Barkley uh, is healthy. Matty Torres is watching. He's a Jets fan, Bags. He said, Brashad Perriman going down for the Jets. Huge blow. Now they'll be last in the league instead of 31st in offense. Yeah, listen, I don't even – I I want to talk about the Jets as a Jets fan, and I, as a Jets fan, I don't want to even talk about the Jets. This – talk about talk about bad decisions for your future. I mean, is Adam Gase ever going to show that he was anywhere near the right choice for this team? Is that going to happen? No. Okay. No, I don't think so. Uh, Giants are 0-2. There are 11 2-0 teams and 11 0-2 teams. Yeah. I'm not good at math. Through two weeks, is that expected that you'd have the same number undefeated as defeated? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Here's the stat. Since 2002, Bags, 16 of the 148 teams to start 0-2 have made the playoffs. Yeah. Now, no team last year started 0-2 and made the postseason. Here's the one asterisk. We do have an expanded playoffs this year, so there's a better chance now that an 0-2 team might get in. But if you start 0-2, boy, odds are slim that you're going to get in. Yeah, odds are slim. I don't even know that there's really a – I mean, I guess there's a better chance just because, you know, the, a, a lower win total might get you in, I guess. But, um, yeah, look, were we going to talk about the Giants making the playoffs anyway? No. No. No, I don't think so. All right, let's have some fun here, Shawnee. Please. Name this quarterback. He's tops in the league in passing yards through two games. He's second with six touchdowns. He hasn't thrown a pick, and he's fourth in QBR. Based on 100, he's got an 85. Name that quarterback. Well, you'd want to say, you know, like, Pat Mahomes or something like that, right? Um, Garner Minshew? Mm, interesting guess. It is Josh Allen. Okay. Okay. Quarterback for the 2-0 Buffalo Bills, Josh yeah. Allen. And what how about this? What's your Matt Torres had it. You're Buffalo boy. Now, Matt knows I'm a Packers fan, but, but having gone to college together, I think he also knows that I went to a lot of Bills games Ash jumped in with Kyler Murray. Yeah, it's, it's Josh Allen. Look, hmm. with, look at those numbers again. I mean, he's he's off to an MVP start for Please the two-hour 
will you stop? He's off to an MVP start. First of all, no, he isn't. Because even with that stat line, would he be the MVP if the season ended today? No, he probably wouldn't. No, it'd be Russell Wilson or Rodgers. Yeah. Right. So, no. And also, no. Because you know that he's not going to be able to maintain this kind of pace. Who have they played? They played the Jets. Week one. Who'd they play this week? Uh, Who did the Bills beat this week? They beat the Dolphins. The Dolphins, yeah. So they beat the Jets and the Dolphins. And you're going to throw up a stat line and tell me he's on an MVP pace. Give me a break. We got to get you used to the the cardinal sin of live sports talk. Don't ask a question you don't know the answer to. Um, One of us would think of it in two seconds. I just couldn't think of it when I asked it. Did you see this? We used to do, did you see this? That just kind of came out naturally. Did you see this? The NFL has handed out more than a million dollars in fines to three coaches and three teams for violation of the mask policy. One of those coaches is this guy, Pete Carroll. Okay, he's not wearing a mask. And the rule is you're allowed to take the mask down when you're calling a play. He seems to be congratulating some players here. The NFL didn't like that. The Broncos' Vic Fangio is also a violator. Okay. So these guys are all together, right? These players and coaches, they're all together all the time. Are they not? Are they well, not? No, they, they go home. They're not in a bubble. No, I understand that. But they're around each other all the time. Just like we go home, but we're around each other when we go to work, right? Yes. Anybody in the office wear a mask? No. Okay. Um, unless our rule at our station is you have to wear a mask if you go to another part of the building and you're going to essentially be walking in closed quarters hallway or be around people from who you wouldn't normally be around in another department. Yeah. And I would imagine it's like that in a lot of places. People aren't sitting in offices at their cubicle um, wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. These guys all work together. They're all around each other all the time. There are no fans. Um, This is a safe environment with people who are regularly tested and who do not have the virus. That's the thing. We go to work. We're around people who are not tested. There's no testing mandate. We could be anything. Anybody could be exposed. This is such a safe environment. This is absurd. It is one of the dumbest. I mean, the NFL does a lot of dumb things, a lot of dumb things to, to try to penalize players or, or with fines. Like, this is one of the dumbest things they're doing. They are testing multiple times a week. The players aren't wearing a mask on the field. The right. players aren't wearing a mask when they come back to the sideline. When offense isn't on the field, you don't see everybody on offense wearing a mask. Why do the coaches need to wear a mask? And if I'm Pete Carroll, or if I'm Vic Fangio, or if I'm Kyle Shanahan, the three head coaches who are fine, I would show this to the commissioner and say, is this how you want us to look? I mean, I know. Reed is just unbelievable, though. He's on a different level with this stuff. Uh, but I'm with you 100%. I mean, you got guys out there. First of all, you wear the mask to protect other people from you. Okay? Yes. So... It's not like you're saying, Pete Carroll, you know, you're you're an older guy. You could be at risk. So do this to protect yourself. Even that this these these athletes are out there. You know, the offensive linemen are lined up with the defensive linemen and then they go like this. And like it doesn't it doesn't matter. So, no, this is this is about as ridiculous as it gets. And don't you feel like with the NFL, this is more just about the optics of it and they're just like well we just want it's more important to us that it looks a certain way than that it actually is relevant to the health and safety because when you look at the the reasoning for a mask and the actual health and safety issues there are no issues here so then it must be about something else and that for me is when you lose when you lose me because then it just becomes bs i got one for you here a bs and and look we're all living in a time where we understand the importance of social distancing, wearing a mask, doing what's required to not only keep yourself healthy, but the others around you, right? It's about being a good social partner. We were on Cape Cod last week, right? Massachusetts. Uh, They have adopted, now this is a good law. It's a good law without common sense. Okay. And 
And that's where you lose me. So like you said, when it's about the optics, that's where people lose you. When you have a rule or a law that doesn't allow for common sense, Mm. that's where you lose me. Okay. We went to a winery on Cape Cod. People told us about, go check it out. Uh, You you can't do a tour, but you can sit outside and you can do a wine tasting and and all this. Okay. So how are we going to check it out? You're not going to tell us what the name of it is. Oh, uh, Churro. Churro Vineyards. Okay. So we get there. It's a wide open space. It's yeah. it's a it's a vineyard. Yeah. Wide open space. You sit down at a table, and I know the rule is six feet bags. We were probably 15 feet away from the next person. I bet even more than that. Okay. We sit down and they say the state law is that you have to order food yeah. with your you can't just have something to drink. You have to order something to eat, which is something in New York we're all familiar with. Now, the rule is intended to stop people from gathering inside a bar and just standing around for hours drinking. That makes sense. Correct. When I'm in a wide open field and you already have, they already have a 90 minute limit on the table to turn it over. To then make somebody order food, it makes zero sense. And I can't believe that this isn't somehow affecting businesses that have restaurant space that is outside when you can't responsibly sit at a table and have something to drink without ordering food at three in the afternoon when you've just had lunch. You know what it is? Ultimately, it's it's just laziness. It's easier to say blanket this and that's it instead of saying, well, this is the reasoning for it. So if this reason doesn't apply, then you can be exempt. You know, that mm-hmm. takes work. That takes a measure of of research and probably, you know, uh, it, it just becomes more difficult as opposed to just doing the blanket. If you're drinking, you got to eat and that's it. That's what's easy. And politicians like what, what's easy. And, you know, it, the businesses ultimately, you know, I don't know if they could appeal it or something like that, but then it becomes this, I'm sure, this whole process of paperwork and rigmarole. It's it's about laziness and them just doing whatever's easy. Yeah. Well, that that's what set me off from vacation. And, and that's as political as we'll even get on the show. All right, back to the NFL here, Bags. The week three headline games. How about this one? I'm right, like, oh, right, man. Oh. Kansas City and Baltimore. Give it to us. Yeah. Packers Saints on Sunday night. You had the Cowboys and Seahawks, two really good teams there. I mean, what Dallas did on Sunday, or or, or are they a really good team, Dallas? I, I don't know. Okay, well maybe we'll find out. Yeah. Seattle's good, and the Rams and Bills are both two and zero. But how about that Monday nighter, man? The Chiefs and the Ravens. Um, this is my AFC Championship game, I think. Ooh. Right? I don't remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, I think these are the two best teams in the AFC. This is what we want when we watch football. We want two young Mm. star power quarterbacks who can just light it up in different ways. They can do a lot of the same things, but they can do things differently as well. Um, And they're two good teams. You know, it's not just like, well, one's got a really good star, but the team isn't that great. This is, this is a great matchup. Two of the top teams in this conference on the biggest stage on Monday night in prime time. We're going to get Mahomes and Jackson going head to head. It's going to be a great game. Rogers Breeze talk about some of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. Uh, the young part there, but yep. Yeah, no, 36 and 40. Right. The missing element there, of course, is going to be the crowd in the Superdome. So from a Green Bay perspective, I don't mind going to New Orleans this year when you don't have to deal with that, that home crowd advantage that – that they have at their Mercedes Superdome. Give me Green Bay and, and New Orleans on Sunday night. By the way, uh, the Saints yesterday, last night, did not – that surprised me a little bit. Not, bit. Much, not so much Oakland – or Oakland, yeah. Not so much Las Vegas surprising me, but the Saints surprising me by not playing better. I'm with you there. Uh, yeah, Vegas is interesting. They're also 2-0. and you, you went Oakland. Last week I said the Redskins – yeah, I I was happy to hear when I got home though that night that Scott Van Pelt had done the same thing. So yeah, I've been hearing Reds sneaking in a little bit still. 
Yeah. We're all trying to figure this thing out. Uh, yeah, the, the the stadium's beautiful in Las Vegas, and the Raiders played up up to the level uh, of the stadium. Hey, we're a week away, bags from baseball's postseason starting. The Mets are not mathematically eliminated. Will you stop? But as we get don't into, hope. don't pretend like there's hope. As we get into the playoffs, I think you and I were both on the Yankees and Dodgers, probably from the AL and NL. Have we changed our minds? One really there. Well, I, I mean, I, I bet we've changed our minds. Are you going to change your mind off the Yankees right now? I might. I might. Hang on. We're going to do a little preview of baseball's postseason next, right here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Back in a minute. Depressed, overworked, job sucks, underappreciated. When life sucks, just say Dilligaff. Our clothing line puts the FU back into fun. Nothing will give you greater satisfaction. Dilligaff isn't just an attitude, it's a lifestyle. Some people ride the crazy train, we drive that mother. Check out our selection at DillaGaffUSA.com. All right, if we were both on the Yankees and the Dodgers at the beginning of this 60-game season to meet in the World Series, have we changed our minds now a week away from baseball's playoffs starting? Have you, Shawnee? No. <laughs> That's it. No, I haven't. I'm still – I still like L.A. in the National League. Yeah. Um I don't know about the Yanks, man. And I know you're going to tell me. I know this is what you're going to say. You said, look, they've still got 31 wins. Look at all the injuries they've had. They've played most of the year without Stanton, without Judge. And still, they're, what, only five games or so behind. They're four and a half games behind the Tampa Bay Rays and the AL East. They're not going to catch them. Okay? So they're not going to get the top spot there. And you're going to tell me, but look, if they get to October healthy, or as healthy as they are now, why shouldn't they then be the favorite? My my reasoning is because I haven't seen enough change from them this year, from years past, to tell me that they're going to be successful in the playoffs when the pitching is better. This yeah. is a team that strikes out too much, doesn't manufacture runs when there are two outs in an inning. If the ball doesn't go over the wall, they don't score as often as I'd like them to. So going over the wall quite a bit. It does, a ton. But that number, as we know, goes down in the playoffs. Yeah, it does. And it's going to go down again in, in this postseason. So, And it's also a team, Bags, that in the playoffs has been really good at home and I think is fed off the home crowd in the Bronx. You don't have that now. So but they are still good at home this season. They are. They are. And the dimensions help certainly a home run hitting team. I still think it's going to be somebody other than the Yankees pin me down to what team that is. I don't know. I don't know if it's Tampa. I don't know if it's the White Sox who have, you know, 34 wins in that AL Central. I don't know that it's Oakland good enough, even though they've won the AL West. I, I don't believe that. If, if I had to pick one today and it isn't the Yankees, I'd, I'd take the White Sox. Okay. Here's, here's the thing for the Yankees. I agree with what you said. You make good points, okay? You make good points. But as, as far down as the Yankees, like I prefer that the Yankees pitching be better right now, okay? But the gap between their pitching and their hitting, their hitting is so just far above everybody else. Their offense is so high – I don't know if you look at other teams and say, well, we've got this much better pitching than the Yankees, but 
nowhere near where the offense is. So, yes, while the offense will not be as good come postseason and their pitching isn't as good as I would like it to be, I just think the gap between where they are from other teams with their lineup versus where their pitching is from those other teams, I still think they're going to be okay. The White Sox have the lineup to rival the Yanks. If it comes down to those two teams, it's going to be interesting. This is going to be a long postseason, too, because obviously you have the expanded playoffs. You get the three-game series, then into what we really consider the playoffs, the five-game, and then the seven-game. It's going to be a long road. I love the three-game. No, me neither. And I wouldn't like it if I'm – well, if you're any team, but if I'm a favorite. you know. Yeah. It, it just too many variables in a short series. Because there's no there's no buy, right? Everybody's got to play in that. Correct. And that, that's where it's tough for me to get behind that because and I get why in the shortened season and all that, but I'm with you. The biggest the biggest issue for me is the favorite, a team that could have won, you know, fifty games this season, having to go out there and play a best two out of three series just doesn't seem right. So let's say the Phillies get in as the six or the five, you yeah. know, put them, put them in as the six because it makes it fun if they're going to play the Dodgers. Um, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, those two guys winning a couple of games in a three-game series? Yeah, so six or eight? Is it Sorry, be eight. Eight, yeah. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. And that's the thing. And that's where it, I always felt the same way. Like if the Mets could find a way in, you get the ground in one of those games and who knows what happens. Right. But yeah. And that, and, but, and that's part of why I don't like it because in the, in the postseason, the best team should always win. And that's, and in baseball, you need a longer series to really determine who the best team is because you, you need to see, like, it's not just about who your one best pitcher is. It's about who you're the best pitching staff. Like, you need time for multiple starters to get their appearances and, and for the series to really play out in a way that showcases the entirety of a team, not just, well, we have one or two really good pitchers, and if we plug them in this spot, we can find a way over maybe a much better team in a postseason series. That doesn't work for me. That's not what the playoffs are supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about determining who the best team is. And if you don't take into account the entirety of a team, you're not really doing that. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, all right, Sean, you got a project at home this week. Yep. Good luck with that, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks for offering help, by the way. I appreciate it. You're tackling this on your own? Well, my girlfriend helped me with some of the digging out. Got to dig out big hole for the patio. And she helped me with that over the weekend. And, um, and yeah, now it's about putting the, the gravel in and compacting everything and then putting sand down and the, the pavers and the fire pits. So it'll, it'll be a priority. Yeah, she's working. So after she's done working, she might be able to help me shovel some of the, you know, the gravel, the patio paver stuff that goes in the bottom layer. But yeah, other than that, I'm on my own. You're insane. Yeah. But I'm not, I don't have to go to work. So it, I'll take it. This is a better trade. Much better. Yeah, I took time off to do the project. This is 100 times better. Good, good. I'm glad. Uh, Lakers get it done tonight? I want – I've, I've pulled for Denver in this series. I, I want them to win. It's just this is a different class of team, this Lakers team, versus, you know, Utah or Houston. And – we haven't even seen this Laker team get tested yet, man. We were talking about this earlier, you and I, off the air. Like, they they lose game one, right, to Portland, and they steamroll them. Lose to Houston, steamroll them. Um, they haven't even played in a game six. They haven't even had to go to that other level. They haven't needed LeBron to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a series now. Something could be in jeopardy here. Let me take over. Let me... Let me put forth my best effort. We haven't even seen that, and we may not need to see that from LeBron this entire postseason. Um, and Mark was right, man. The rest is, I think, a big part of that, why they're, why they're so good. He did, they didn't make the playoffs last year. He was so rested, and then they had this huge break for COVID. So there's a chance the Lakers don't get tested at all. Um, so I would – I think they're going to win tonight. I think they're going to win tonight too. Um, take a question on the way out the door here. I'm on the I'm on the Lakers tonight too, and and then I think it just becomes a sweep. I, I think 
a LeBron team up 3-0 doesn't let a team forget back into this series, but even extend a yeah, series. But even if Denver wins tonight, I can still see the Lakers taking the next two after that too. Yes, with yeah. you 100%. Uh, John wants to know, what do we think about the Reds? Here's what I think about the Reds. Reds have overachieved in my – well, I say overachieved. They've exceeded my expectations. Okay. Here's, here's another thought on the Reds. I love Trevor Bauer. I mean, yeah. I, I think a lot of people don't like him because he he's, uh, you know, an antagonist. But I like Trevor Bauer. He pushes the, the commissioner's button a lot. Uh, he is just his own dude. He says he's going to sign one-year contracts for the rest of his career. He's an outside-thinking guy, the same way Bryson DeChambeau is, who just won the U.S. Open in yep. golf. Uh, different dudes, and 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 that's good for sports. Uh, do I think the Reds have a chance to win the National League? If that's what John's asking, no. I, I think I think the I still think the Dodgers are too good. Okay, but if there's any year for any team to really surprise or pull an upset or anything, I mean, this is totally the year to do it, partially because of that two out of three. You know, like there could be teams that get knocked off in a weird way early who then you don't have to compete against in the bigger series, the, you know, the NLCS or even the World Series, perhaps. Um, you know, a team could get hot. It, it's it's so up in the air right now this season. So, and again, ultimately we're going to have to look at what we end up with and judge how we feel about that compared to years past, whether or not it feels legitimate to us. Um, but that being said, right now you got to go play the games and a team like the Reds, there are, there are several teams I think that you look at as maybe a fringe prize team, the Padres, who at the end of the day – would a surprise really be all that surprising this season? The know? Marlins are going to be in the playoffs? Right. Yeah. But, but okay. And, and the playoffs will be in a bubble. They're going to play the playoffs in a bubble. So it's going to have a similar feel to the NBA, although baseball's been playing without fans all season long. And the two um, out of three will be – they'll play re regular, right? So Yes. Okay, right. So, yeah, and, then, and then they move to the bubble. Right. Um, okay, but – but here we are with the NBA playoffs, and who's the team that we are convinced is going to win the championship? Yeah, but don't you think it's a little different given that, first of all, you had a, an entire full regular season determine the postseason teams, and you had the full postseason with, you know, best out of seven series all the way across the board. Yeah. It's a little different. Okay. Okay. Well, you're right. Once they get in the bubble, you know, if, if the right teams are there, the teams that probably would have been there anyway, you know, like like the Dodgers and the Yankees, and then they play a great World Series, and uh, aren't, wouldn't we look at that and say, yeah, that kind of feels legit? I don't know. Yeah. What's what's going to be nice is without the travel, you're going to get just condensed play, and it's going to feel – like a regular season where teams are playing every single day. Yep, exactly. Yeah. All right, Bags, good luck with the patio, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for watching, everybody. Honorado and Bagnardi, we will see you next time around.